Hello friends, welcome to the 48th edition of Beyond the News. I'm your host Jim Grant, coming up on today's show, looking at New Zealand's troublings about their children having lower immunity due to being indoors, going to be looking at what's happening in North Korea, a trip down memory lane to Pfizer's 2.3 billion lawsuit which they had to settle, the British are taking off their masks, or at least some of them, Trump suing Facebook and other such social medias for censorship and a variety of other news here and I really am going to try and blitz this news. I know that uh, one of my listeners, Christian, does like my opinions so I'm going to try and add opinions where I can briefly but this news is so important, so much more important than me that I'm going to try and really just stick to headlines and a few opening lines and really blitz this through. And before I do that, a little bit of housework for the Radio Illumini listeners. You're probably thinking, where has episode 47 gone? Well, the answer to that is I've uploaded it to Spotify um, on the Anchor and such things. But I was going to transfer it over to the Radio Alumni and I pressed the wrong button and deleted it. So it's gone, I'm afraid. If anyone can, I've tried to figure out how to download it back from Anchor but I can't, and I've tried to download it back from Spotify, but I'm not a premium member, so I can't download my own work. Uh, so if anyone can find episode 47 in MP3 format, please do email it to me at beyondthenews at protonmail.com. Technology-wise, I'm not a stupid guy, but I'm not good with technology. Um, that would be the easiest way. So you don't want me anywhere near it. If I was to use a schoolroom analogy, I wouldn't be the whiz kid on the computer I'd be the corner kid in the corner with the safety scissors uh, the one that the teacher hides when Ofcoms comes calling because I'll bring the whole grades for the school down so that's where I am with technology and by the way that wasn't me taking any jokes at um, slow children or learning a disability to children uh, the only butt of that joke was me and uh, I am the well-deserved butt of that joke for I've deleted an entire episode uh, speaking of uh, the disabled children, I'm doing a charity night in Eastbourne on July the 30th. We've got Imran Youssef does national tours. It's a comedy night, by the way, in case you, <laughs> you only know me as a as a podcaster. I did have a I did have a J job, well, well technically a night job. We've got Imran Youssef has seen a Michael McIntyre's road show, live at the Apollo, all sorts, you name it, he's played it. Paul Perry from Dave TV and Steve Hewlett, the ventriloquist. Uh, from the final of Britain's Got Talent, the one that did the taking the mickey out of Simon Cowell with the puppets and everything, all on the same lineup. And you can visit the Children's Respite Trust website for that. Uh, a more professional podcaster would have the website handy for you, but instead you can go to a search engine, Children's Respite Trust, Eastbourne Comedy, and it will bring it up. So you get a chance to see me live if you're in the, the Sussex area. I think the tickets are about a tenner, which is um, a great value for money considering that's like an amazing lineup for that belongs at any top comedy club in the country. The compare is awful, but um, if you put up with him, that's me by the way, uh, the 3X will be great. So enough rambling, let's get on with the news. This is from The Guardian. As the whole uh, Matt Hancock thing broke on the news it sort of broke around as this story was happening so hmm who knows what was uh they say try and control the news cycle don't they but who knows that that just could just be a coincidence a coincidence this is from the guardian and it's just got merely opinions on it but it's oh no joylon mohan 
We proved in the High Court that Michael Gove broke the law. So what happens now? Our legal victory, which proves there has been institutionalised cronyism over Covid contracts, will have real-world effects. So, I can't remember whether I covered this or not, but I wanted to cover it now and say, what do you do? Because usually, if they're not a politician and that answer goes, oh, we've broken the law, what happens now? Well, usually, there's usually some sort of sentencing, community service or bird or whatever. Who knows? Moving on. Another one from The Guardian. And this I know I haven't covered. Uh, this is Thursday the 8th of July by Tess McClure. New Zealand children falling ill in high numbers due to Covid, in quotes, immunity debt. Doctors say children haven't been exposed to a range of bugs due to lockdowns, distancing and sanitizer and their immune systems are suffering. New Zealand hospitals are experiencing the payoff of immunity debt created by COVID-19 lockdown, which wards flooded by babies with a potentially deadly respiratory virus, doctors have warned. Wellington has 46 children currently hospitalised for respiratory illnesses, including respiratory... some things I... Anyway, I can't pronounce the names, but you get the idea. Now, this reminds me, and I'm going to be brief on this, if you haven't watched a comedian called George Carlin, he passed away about 13 years now, I think he went in 2008, go and watch George Carlin. He's not only a fantastic comedian, he was the one that played, uh, I think it was Rufus, the, one of the, like, the mental character in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. One of the greatest comedians to have ever lived and have ever performed, in my opinion. And he did a wonderful routine on the immune system. Now, as most comedians do, he used extreme examples to, you know, get the laugh, but the example still remains. So he was talking about as as kids, he used to swim around in raw sewage and as a result, he never got ill. Now, I'm never suggesting that and I'm sure neither was he is using that as an example. But what his point was, your immune system can beat a lot of bugs, but it needs bugs to practice on. And if you're in lockdown with all that they just described there, they're describing it as an immunity debt. But I think George Carlin called this 13 years ago in a stand-up routine, albeit a flippant one using extreme examples. But I think he was bang on the money with having the basic point across. So go and have a look for George Carlin, uh, C-A-R-L-I-N, no G. And uh, if you don't know who he is, you're going to be in for an absolute treat. And you, if you want to know more about that, George Carlin immune system routine. I'm sure that will bring it up on uh, YouTube or something like that, <laughs> assuming it hasn't been uh, censored um, posthumously. From the Telegraph now. Modelling that delayed lockdown lifting was overly pessimistic, admits scientist. Britain was much better situation than we thought, says advisor, whose models suggested third wave deaths could hit 72,000, says by Sarah Napton. Modeling. Anyway, to cut a very long story short, we had modelling that once again was, oh, it's terrible, lockdown, and then we've got, oh, it's still going to be terrible, keep them in lockdown. And both seem to be, um, in the words of the Telegraph, overly pessimistic, admits scientist, or perhaps that's the words of the scientist. So, again, an important article, I think, for anyone that's uh, still scared of this stuff. Now over to North Korea. King Jong Underlings. New images show North Korea leader has demoted military officials as he focuses on feeding his country instead of nukes amid great crisis. 
North Korea has faced significant food shortages in recent months. Anti-pandemic policies have exacerbated economic policies and food scarcity. In April, Kim Jong-un warned of a famine which would lead to deaths of millions. Analysts say the North Korean leader has demoted military figures in favour of civilians, focusing on economic recovery over militarisation. So that's, uh, you know, who knows, you know, whatever news comes out of this part of the world is even more controlled than uh, even more controlled than the Facebook fact checkers, isn't it? But yeah, in essence, that sounds like a good idea. Um, I've covered several stories from North Korea over the year. I think that's the first one I, I think is a good idea. But anyway, my opinion on that is, well, we live in a global food thing now. And anyway, my point is, could it happen here? We've had lorry driver shortages, we've had this, that, the other, we've had shortages of wood, cement, all that kind of stuff. What happens if we start getting shortages of food? And remember, it won't be COVID that did that, it will be the lockdown that did that. That was, by the way, by Daily Mail on the 8th of July by David Avery for Mail Online and Reuters. This one from The Independent. Dozens of COVID meetings with Minister undeclared for 12 months in admin error. Lord Bethel must be sacked immediately and this racket must end now, says Angela Rayner. This is by Ashley Coburn for The Independent. More than two dozen Covid meetings held by an under-fire government minister went undeclared for more than a year due to what the government described as an administration error, it has emerged. Lord Bethel's discussions with companies, including some awarded contracts worth millions of pounds during the pandemic response, were included in an update to the government's transparency data yesterday. And that was, uh, I think, Wednesday the 30th. It's got Wednesday 30 on it, but it doesn't say the word June, so I'm going to take a guess to say that. Well, what are the odds? When Gove was... Uh, you know, we found him to be acted unlawfully in our opening article. What are the odds that the other 12 months worth weren't forthcoming? Huh, what a surprise, what a surprise. And we'll be going into listeners' corner later on that because as one of my listeners, James, pointed out, it looks like they've changed the law, which I was unaware of. That's why I love doing this Beyond the News thing and the Telegram group. It's building a real community where we can help inform each other. And I'm giving you data and and the audience are giving me data, and together we can learn together. I like that. A little trip down memory lane. This is from NBCnews.com, and it is from, I just want to get the date for you, yes, September the 2nd, 2009. Not exactly topical, or could it be? Pfizer to pay record 2.3 billion penalty. Federal prosecutors hit Pfizer with a record-breaking 2.3 billion in fines and called the drug giant a repeating corporate cheat for illegal drug promotions that plied doctors with massages and resort junkies. I wonder if any of the massages, these, uh, they had a happy ending. Who knows? Federal prosecutors hit Pfizer incorporated with a record-breaking 2.3 billion fines Wednesday. So blah, 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 it's just repeated the... Anyway, it's mentioning free golf... Announcing the penalty as a warning to all drug manufacturers, Justice Department officials said the overall settlement is the largest ever paid by a drug company for alleged violations of federal drug laws and the $1.2 billion criminal fine is the largest ever in any US criminal case. 
The total includes 1 billion in civil penalties and a 100 million criminal forfeiture. I wonder if anyone actually got arrested though. Because if you don't, then some corporations, and I'm not saying they still do it, but some corporations look at that and go, how much are we making from that? 10 billion. How much is it costing us in fines? 2.3 billion. Do it again then. Did anyone get their collar felt? No. Right, feel free then. We're going to be, uh, in that particular example, 7.7 billion up. If I remember my own numbers that I've said. Yeah. So as part of its illegal marketing, Pfizer invited doctors to consultant meetings at resort locations, paying the expenses and providing perks, prosecutors said. They were entertained with golf, massages and other activities said Mike Looks, the US attorney in Massachusetts. Looks said that even as Pfizer was negotiating deals on past misconduct, they were continuing to violate the very same laws with other drugs. Don't worry though, I'm sure they've stopped it now. All that continuous repetition and breaking it while they're being fined for doing it on the same things while continuing to do it on other things, I'm sure they've learnt their lesson. They've all found Jesus and they've all found God and they've all become wonderful human beings that would never do such a thing again. So line up and take their jabs. You can trust them. To prevent backsliding this time, Pfizer's conduct will be specially monitored by the Health and Human Services Inspector General for five years. This was 2009, so uh, that someone peering over their shoulder ended, uh, what, seven years ago now? Anyway, there's a little trip down memory lane, and here it is from another angle with some even harsher uh, language. This is by ABC News. Pfizer fined 2.3 billion for illegal marketing in off-label drug case. And they call it, 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 it thing is by Rita Rubin, uh, 3rd of September 2009, in the largest healthcare fraud settlement in history. Yeah. Besides Bextra, the drugs were Jordan, an antipsychotic Zyvox, an antibiotic uh, and Lucrea, an anti-epileptic drug. Once the Food and Drug Administration approved drugs, doctors can prescribe them off-label for any use, but makers can't market them for anything other than approved uses. But I just like the way they said the largest healthcare fraud settlement in history. But roll up your sleeve, I'm sure it'll be fine. These are good people. This is from The Telegraph. And it is 5th of July. Tim Stanley. The British must reject fear and dump their masks. The Covid earthquake has passed. We need to stop walking around as if the ground is still shaking. I'll just give my view on that. There was um, someone, someone put, again it's all in the comedy circuit and I've told you they're some of the most they've bought into some of this Covid stuff the most and some of the, you know, the fear the most and all that kind of stuff. Not all, but quite a lot of them. And that's their right to do so. But someone had pointed out, uh, you know, they, they were happy not to be wearing a mask or anything. And uh, the, the, a couple of comedians really jumped on it. Well, no, they're not really comedians. Uh, amateur comedians, I would say. So jumped on them, blah, 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 blah. And one of them's quite known for being a little bit, you know, argumentative, shall we say. And so I just put on the Reuters article from September of last year, which said that masks are nowhere near as effective as you think they are. They probably only provide 15 to 20 percent protection. And I don't say any words because I don't bother getting into I, I can't be bothered. The truth speaks for itself to those that will listen. So there's really no need for me to echo it. If someone's prepared to listen to reality, then all they need to do is read it for themselves. It's not necessary for me to to, to point it out to them is it either they take it on board or they don't 
And so this person responded back, thank you, Jim, for proving that masks do have an effective, uh, that, that masks are effective or something like words of that effect, you know. And um, that's what you're up against here, people, because instead of him seeing that as I've just put to prove I've scientific studies say that they are nowhere near as effective as they are. Oh, and the study does actually state they can't rule out that they are completely non-effective. That, that, that's actually on there. I've read that out before. Go listen to the podcasts uh, around September time. I read that article out. So instead of seeing himself as 85% to 80% wrong, he gloated that he was 20% right. Uh, and I then posted the article about toxic face masks and said it's everyone's personal choice to weigh up the pros versus the cons. Really, that's what life is all about. Have a nice day, everybody. Because I don't do arguments. I can't be bothered. I'll debate someone uh, if it can be recorded, because here's the thing. It's all my, Some people have called them the COVID cult. And that certainly doesn't apply to everyone wearing a mask or anything like that. There's no extremists or anything like that. But there are a few people out there that have spent the last 18 months really having a go at anyone that that doesn't agree with them and saying, trust the science. And then when someone like me comes up and goes, what, this science? Sometimes it's easier to con someone than to convince them they've been conned. And if you get a load of people... that's called cognitive dissonance and they'll defend that belief and they'll get angry with the person giving them the truth. When you get a load of people experiencing cognitive dissonance, they can all slap each other's backs like an echo chamber and it really does become like a cult and that's why cults often like to cut people off from their friends and their family so that there's no dissenting point of views and all that they hear is all that the cult wants them to hear. And I'm afraid that Facebook can be a bit like that. And this can be, cognitive dissonance can be especially strong when people are fearful, when they're afraid for their lives, and when they think that you not wearing a mask is putting their life in danger. Um, doesn't matter if they're wearing one, because logic's not important. If they're wearing, if they could, if they are convinced, the only reason they want you to wear a mask is because they think they work, right? So, if they're wearing one, it shouldn't really matter if you wear one. I suppose there's an argument to say, well, it's, you know, double play. It's a bit like double ply on toilet paper, isn't it? You know, better than single ply, I suppose. There's that argument. But to, like, have a go at someone and constantly jump on them on on social media for wanting to make personal choice or stuff like that, that reminds me of what I call cult-like behaviour. So, and I'm not the only one that's uh, called it that. And that's what we could be up against over the next few months listeners of this show but it's important to always have compassion for these people because these people are scared these people are not getting the whole information you know oh by the way when he said thanks for proving that masks do have that was it masks do have a level of protection i just clicked like because yeah yeah he's he's right that statement is accurate they do have a level of protection 15 to 20 (laughs) percent if that it it if someone takes that as a, as a victory, because he was like, "How dare anyone question that masks? Uh, you know, it's masks totally work. Anyone questioning it is nonsense and it's utter rubbish to do all that stuff like that." Well, it wasn't. It was it it was twenty percent nonsense, 
80% accurate and you're on the short end of that accuracy stick. If you take that as a victory, fair enough. <laughs> Who am I to argue with you? Uh, you know, let's hope those masks you buy don't contain the toxins of the ones that I read out on this podcast previously. But, it, you know, I'm all for personal choice. And the main thing is, I'm never ever going to convince those mentalities that are in that fear-based state. But I can convince the people who are looking at social media with the popcorn going, oh, I love a good argument, who never comment, never like anything like that. They just like to watch the fireworks go off. And if you present... Because I was the only link on that thread. Everyone else is like, you're wrong, I'm right, basically. I, I, the science is more important than my egotistical point of view. So, yeah, everyone's labelling about, going about the science. All right, here is the science, and it seems to say that you're 80 to 85% incorrect. But if you're happy with that, fair enough, pal. But I'm never going to convince them of that. But I can get through to the open-minded who and the open-minded aren't egotistically invested in it and by that I mean they haven't been arguing at people calling people names um, you're you know all in that like, like almost like a cult behavior you know where they're all chanting and shouting and agreeing with each other and all that kind of stuff you're never going to get through to them but what you can do is Imagine if it is like a cult and they're all dancing around the fire, doing doing their chanting and all that kind of stuff. Wear your mask. Safe and effective all the time. Totally effective. What you can do, you if you go in there, you're not going to try and break those people up. Let them get on with their song and dance. But if there's anyone walking by the roadside that goes, what are all those weird people doing? Those are the ones you can go and explain to. Because the ones that aren't egotistically invested are most likely to have the most open of minds. The ones that are, you know, no one wants to admit that when they're wrong. I actually like it when someone proves I'm wrong because I've learned something. But because I have no ego about being wrong because I've been wrong so many times about so many things. I'm always grateful when someone corrects me. And I've, I've been around some very successful people. I've been around some very unsuccessful people in all walks of life. And I can tell you that that is one of the traits that successful people have. When they're wrong, they don't get angry. They listen and they get informed. Next article here. Wall Street Journal. Trump sues Facebook, Twitter, Google to restore social media accounts. The former president remains suspended for most of those social media platforms following the January the 6th riots in the US Capitol. By Michael C. Bender and Sarah E. Needleman on July the 7th. So former President Trump has sued Facebook, Twitter and Google, seeking to restore his online profile if, after he was suspended from most social media platforms following. So the Mr. Trump was the most prominent plaintiff seeking class action status against the tech companies, claiming he has been wrongly censored by them in violation of his First Amendment rights. The lawsuits were filed Wednesday in the US District Court in Miami. We're going to hold big tech accountable, Mr. Trump said at a news conference. The lawsuits named as defendants the chief executives of the three companies, Jack Dorsey of Twitter, Alphabet Inc. Sundar Pichai and Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg. Spokespeople for Twitter and Facebook declined to comment. A representative for Alphabet's Google, which owns YouTube, didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. So I'm not a Trump fan, but I am a fan of free speech for all and freedom for all. Next article here tonight. You've heard me talk about the Hunt and Biden laptop before. Well, here's an article from News Punch. I know, 
not exactly uh, the independent guardian daily mail mainstream that you're used to but the reason i've included it is because it's got an actual video to what we're going to be talking about uh, so you can go onto the article and see the interview for yourself which it you know doesn't really matter who's reporting it it's just a means to an end isn't it effectively a a, a, a gateway to to youtube for, and no more so it doesn't really doesn't matter who's reporting it there so you can see the whole thing for yourself uh, i'm no fan of rudy giuliani either but i am but a humble news repeater monkey and i thought i would bring you this information Rudy Giuliani offered FBI proof of Hunter Biden's sickening child rape videos and they ignored him. 7th of July 2021. Former Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani claims the FBI were offered hard drives belonging to Hunter Biden that contained sickening child rape videos, but they wanted nothing to do with it. The only incriminating thing in my house are the Hunter Biden hard drives and they wouldn't take them, Giuliani said during an interview released on Tuesday with former Arkansas Governor Mike Huppleby. So there you go. Uh, a lawyer and I think wasn't he the former mayor of New York or anything like that uh, talking to a former Arkansas governor. So you want mainstream? It might not be news punch, but the clip itself is there for you to see and make up <clears throat> your own mind. From Breitbart now. UK vaccination rate almost halves as young people hesitate over jabs. This is by Jack Montgomery, the 8th of July. The vaccination rate in Britain has almost halved, with concerns being expressed about young people possibly hesitating to get jabbed, a development that comes as the number of adults in the general population estimated to have COVID antibodies by the government hits 90%. And uh, that's enough on that one. Now from the Daily Mail. Pictured. Two American mercenaries arrested alongside 15 Colombians for assassinating Haiti President Jovel Mosse as cops hunt eight suspects still on the run. Police say the gang that killed Haiti's president included 26 Colombians and two Haitian Americans. Haitian police identified James Solages and Joseph Vincent as two US citizens suspected in the assassination plot. Both are of Haitian descent and they were among 17 suspects detained in the killing of the president. The rest of the detained dead at large suspects are Colombian nationals, according to police officials. After saying seven died, police now say three other suspects were killed by cops and eight are on the run. Solages is the president of the board of directors of Jack Mel First, a charity founded in South Florida in 2019. So instantly I'm wondering who has ties to that charity? I'm looking, well, what, who do we know that runs charities in Haiti? Just a thought, just a thought. But not only that, there have been some other presidents dead in the last couple of weeks, haven't there? I would ask the question to my listeners, what, if anything, have those presidents got in common? Moyes was shot 12 times in Wednesday's early morning raid on his mansion in the hills above Port-au-Prince. So, um, yeah, I would look at who or what potential three-letter agencies are tied to that charity. That would be the first question I would be asking. But hey, it's not like the FBI will do anything if they find anything, because if they're not going to arrest Hunter Biden for child rape, 
you know, why take care of a, um, why, why take any interest in foreign assassinations? But I wonder what they may have in common. From the sun now. Benefit boost. Thousands of parents could be entitled to child benefit refund after court ruling. This is the 8th of July. Families receiving child benefit could be due a tax refund after a landmark legal ruling. Parents have to pay a tax charge on the benefit if either earn more than 50 grand. But a court has ruled that this charge cannot be made by HMRC using its discovery powers if no self-assessment has been filed. One family has successfully challenged how HMRC charges those that are classified as high earners for child benefit and legal experts claim this could pave the way for other parents to get refunds. Most parents can claim £84.60 a month in child benefit for their first or £21.15 a week. Uh, that's the first child, by the way. They can also claim £56 for each extra child, which works out at £14 a week. And it goes on. You can always see the articles for yourself on the Beyond the News Facebook page. And um, I will be soon uploading them all separately to Parler as well. Although Parler, the page is now back up again. So that's a, that's a good start. Again, another article from The Sun. And again, another opportunity to, for my listeners to potentially save some money or get some money. This is by the 7th of July by Lucy Alderson. Helping hand. Nearly 3 million people missing out on more than £900 in council tax to support. Here's how to claim. 3 million Brits are missing out on £900 in council tax support despite seeing price hikes to their bills this year. You could be eligible for up to 100% off your council tax if you're on a low income or on benefits, including universal credit. So uh, I, don't, I tried to find out what was classified as low income and I scrolled down the article and I'm scrolling down there now and I don't think it's got a number for what a low income actually is but anyway maybe have a look at it for yourself follow up the links and see things for yourself now this really is a trip down memory lane potentially first of all the article is from the 9th of August 2019 but in order to find out what I'm talking about we have to go back thousands of years but I just thought it would be interesting. Carthago, the immortal myth. From 27th of September, the new large-scale exhibition of Parco archaeology, Del Colosseo. I'm going to just surmise this. In Rome, they put up some statues. And one of these statues was, and I will now read the article, a reconstruction of the terrible deity, deity, Molech, linked to Phoenician and Carthaginian religions and featured in the 1914 film Cabiria, will be stationed at the entrance of the Colosseum to welcome visitors to the exhibition. Molech was the, um, well, god of child sacrifice. The Bible says, do not give your children to the fires of Molech. And if you want to know more about that, then you can look out Bohemian Grove. Now, you're, if you go and put Bohemian Grove into a search engine, you're going to get some weird, weird stuff. But if you scroll down, you will find links to the History Channel. And that, that's all mainstream, isn't it? So you can go and read it for yourself. But Molech, it, that's who, if you don't know what the care of cremation, yeah, cremation, no, cremation of care ceremony is, is all about, then it's a real eye opener. It's where the elite of the world, 
bankers, politicians that meet at Bohemian Grove, and they all engage in mock human child sacrifice, which on their club states that it used to be real child sacrifice up until 300 years ago. I know that your head's just probably gone, what? What What on earth am I listening to here? But that's a very real thing. Bohemian Grove, look it up. Cremation of care, look it up. And go and see who's attending. There's pictures there famously of pretty much every president there of the United States that was alive at one point sitting around a table except JFK. But um, as we all know how it ended, if there is a club, he probably wasn't in it as we found out in Dallas in 1963. But, um, so there you go. Uh, Rome is, of course, I think, quite close. Anyway, isn't that where the Vatican is, that sort of area? Anyway, there, I just wanted to bring that up for you because I thought it was just like something weird. I'd throw, I'd like throw, throw a curveball in today's podcast there. And if COVID wasn't there, I would put more curveballs in there if we had our civil liberties and freedoms back. Next is from the BBC, and this was only 10 hours ago. COVID, children's extremely low risk confirmed by study. The overall risk of children, and there isn't a name that I can find for the writer of this article, at least not at the top anyway. The overall risk of children becoming severely ill or dying from COVID is extremely low, a new analysis of COVID infection data confirms. Data from the first 12 months of the pandemic in England shows 25 under 18s died from COVID. Those living with multiple chronic illnesses and neurodisabilities were most at risk, although the overall risk remained low. The conclusions are being considered by the UK's vaccine advisory group. Currently, under 18s are not routinely offered COVID vaccines, even if they have underlying health conditions that may put them at risk. Next article is by Tribune magazine and it's by Zara Sultana, who I believe is an MP, I, I do believe. So, but I would have thought, no, they shouldn't they put the word letters MP after a name. But anyway, I think she is. The police crackdown bill is dystopian. The police crackdown bill gets its second reading in Parliament today. And that was, this is from the 16th of March. It's the greatest threat to the right to protest in years, and it is only one part of a Tory war against our democratic rights. So um, I agree with that. I just wanted to bring this article to you. I've broken down this law before and how um, utterly horrifying uh, some of it has the potential to be. And um, I wanted to add to that. I don't think Keir Starmer would be any different. But because uh, I believe I don't well, I'd be surprised if Zara Sultana was a... Uh, Tory, but um, I would say it's part of a um, political war against the democratic rights of the working class. So I, I wouldn't, I'm, I wouldn't add party politics to it. But obviously, she's she's an MP, so why not? But I just wanted to make you aware of that that I wasn't the only one that was worried about it. Some MPs spoke out about it in March as well. Which dovetails into this article, really, because this could be a sign of things to come. Women's anger at abuse of power during Bristol police raids. This is from April the 3rd by Tom Wall for The Guardian. Two protesters claimed they were subject to terrifying ordeals at the hands of male officers pretending to be postal workers. 
The police have been accused of abuse of power for using anti-terror style tactics against protesters after two young women claimed they endured terrifying ordeals at the hands of male officers pretending to be postal workers. The, the women who were caught up in a series of undercover raids by Avon and Somerset Police as part of the force's high-profile investigation into a fortnight of Kill the Bill protests. The Kill the Bill was the protests that we just talked about with um, the MP protests in Bristol. So far, 50 people have been arrested in connection with clashes during protests against the government's police and crime bill, which will give police wide-ranging powers over demonstrations. The revelations came as thousands of people attended other Saturday, another Saturday of protests um, so anyway, it's that's spooky, isn't it? Just as postal workers. But anyway, there you go. And of course, later on, we've read out where the police apologise for their behaviour. But I'm not certain if they apologised for this. So I just want to make a point there that um, it doesn't concern me what gender someone is or their political affiliations. Everyone has the right to protest. That's my view on that, peacefully. New York Post. Spotify staff reportedly outraged by Joe Rogan's show. This is by Hannah Frischberg, July the 7th. Do you remember me saying a few weeks ago where we've reached the point where some people are speaking the truth and it just doesn't matter who's having a go at them anymore because they're out of the reach of the censors at least for now unless you start banning urls but joe rogan doesn't need to advertise on facebook he doesn't need to put clips on youtube he's left that for spotify as long as spot now i know spotify did have uh, some censorship issues but to cut a very long story short let me just read this article um joe rogan the notoriously polarizing host of the joe rogan experience america most popular podcast in 2020 is upsetting some spotify staffers according to a report employee Complaints, however, fall on deaf ears of company executives who paid the 53-year-old comedian more than 100 million to exclusively stream on the platform. Um, I'm personally bothered by his transphobic comments and I'm concerned with the way he might spread misinformation, one Spotify employee wrote last fall on an internal networking channel on the app Fishbowl, Insider reported. However, another employee told Insider that it's only a loud minority of people who are outraged at Rogan. Now, we're getting to that point now then, friends, where it's starting all this, you can't say this, you can't say that. There are very small but loud people shouting at a huge peak group of people who are now ignoring them. That means the loud, shouty, angry people are going to get even angrier. And um, now, I've never heard Joe say anything transphobic, but we do know that the woke left can turn a variety of subjects into a, a phobic thing where the majority of us normal people go, uh, no, I didn't see anything bigoted about that statement. Oh, you're a bigot too then if you didn't hear that. you know. Is So we're reaching the point where the censorship people have had their day on certain platforms. And it's starting to be recognised as most people are now just going, you're a very loud minority. We think, actually, to be honest, you're mentally ill. And at the end of the day, I'm having a laugh at you and your behaviour and you're pulling your hair out and screaming in anger. Which one of us wins if you count winning as being happy? 
And this was what I was saying. Do you remember about the whole Egypt thing and the tour guides and that kind of stuff? This is what's starting to happen now. People, you know, they're switching off the BBC. They're switching off the woke stuff. And they're going, do you know what? I tell you what, you're an employee. If you don't like it, leave. Because this is the way we're running our company. And guess what? If you get all your people to stat who agree with you to leave, you're a small minority. We can run the company without you. Go ahead. Do what you want. So good on Spotify. And this, of course, I go. I do go out on the Spotify platform. So that's one of the reasons that I, I chose uh, Spotify. That and the fact that um, uh, it was uploaded by Anchor. And Anchor was one of the few ones that was free for me to upload. That was a, more of a deciding factor, I'll be honest. But I just wanted to get the idea through to you now that free speech is making a comeback. Not on every platform, but guess what? People are going to be leaving those platforms and we're going to build our own. And these woke, angry people, they're not going to be happy with that. Then, I've used the analogy loads of times, I'm going to keep it brief. When a nutter kicks off in the living room and everyone goes to the kitchen, the nutter ain't happy. The nutter never wanted to be alone. The nutter wanted you to listen to them. So the nutter goes into the kitchen and starts it all over again and the people then leave. There comes a point when someone shuts the door in their face and says, you ain't coming in. Watch this space to see how this free speech thing uh, unrolls over the next 10 years. But good on Joe Rogan. He did a wonderful podcast I hear. I haven't listened to it yet, where he had on a load of um, people that were... Uh, oh, just Sorry, I was just trying to read uh, the next article. And it's got... Um, ah... <laughs> I can't read this one out. I'll read out what I can do. The Dallas Morning News. Thanks for your patience. Thanks for being a patron of Dallas Morning News. Unfortunately, our site is unavailable to European visitors while we work with our partners to ensure your data is protected. Uh, excuse me, uh, Brexit, we're not European Union visitors anymore. We just nip in every now and then to win their football tournaments. But we're not actually part of the EU. Anyway, someone needs to tell the Dallas Morning News that. I shall simply read out the URL because I know that uh, we've got a lot of um, vegan listeners on the show. So this is the Dallas Morning News one was going to be quite a happy one for vegans. Uh, US House, this is from the URL I'm reading it from now. US House passes amendment to ban transporting of horses to Canada or Mexico for slaughter, um, which apparently is quite an inhumane way of doing it. So... Um, Michelle and Dee, I know you're both vegans. That article was going to be for you, but uh, I, I can't read it now because uh, Dallas thinks we're part of the EU. Next article is from The Guardian here, and it is 7th of July by Jordan Tannehill. Uh, I'm just going to check that I'm uh, still recording here. Excellent. <laughs> Yeah, we've already ascertained my technologies. It says, Can you hear the hum? The mystery noise that says a lot about modern life. And no, we're not talking about sharing a car with me after I've had a curry. It's something else. The inconsistent low-frequency sound has been heard from Bristol to Swansea and ascribed to everything from horny fish to 5G, but the enigma itself is telling. Maybe you should hear it. A low-frequency hum, almost a vibration just on the threshold of human hearing. It's not particularly loud. In fact, you might not have even noticed it yet. But once you do, you can't stop hearing it. It sounds like a truck idling on your street in front of your house. 
anyway, you can go on and read it for yourself because they're pretty much they're just describing, um, you know, different way. Maybe it causes you headaches, dizziness, even nosebleeds. So yeah, weird stuff uh, going on. If you do hear it, you're among the roughly 4% of the world's population affected by, in quotes, the hum, a frequently reported but little understood global phenomenon. The earliest reliable reports of the hum date from the UK in the mid-1970s, most notably from Bristol. I can give you uh, an experience on this. I've stayed in cave hotels uh, several nights in my life and you get a really good night's sleep. Not only is the temperature really nice, but it cuts off all electromagnetic radiation. You ain't getting no phone signal down in the cave. And when you come out of the cave, which is pretty much absolute silence down there, when you come out of the cave, you'll start to hear a buzz. And the only way I could describe it is, have you ever left a TV on standby and stuck your head right up next to it? Some of them have a little bit of a sort of, I don't know, a buzz, for want of a better phrase. If you go and cut yourself off from any length of time for all electromagnetic radiations like I did several times in a cave, then you will notice it when you come back out. So that's a personal experience I'm going to share with you there. Next article, it's from richieallen.co.uk. I really like this guy, but I also appreciate that I've made a commitment to my listeners to only present mainstream news, and I accept that um, Richard is not. Uh, Richie is not. However, once again, like the earlier article, he does have a link to the video for you to see it for yourself. And uh, this wasn't from him, it was on the TV. Good Morning Britain presenter Richard Maidley asked Professor Susan Mitchie this morning if the fact that she had been a member of the... Do you remember I said there was that Sage Party member uh, a couple of podcasts ago that wants you to keep everyone wearing a mask forever? That's her. That's who he's talking about. At least that looks pretty much exactly like her. If the fact she had been a member of the Communist Party for 40 years has any bearing on her opinion that Covid restrictions should remain in place indefinitely. Mitchie, a behavioural psychologist... So that's right. The sage group that's giving us advice on our health and she's giving advice on masks based on public health. She is a professor, but not a doctor in the medical sense of like health wise. She's in the mental health field, a behavioral psychologist. So our SAGE group, remember we're not allowed to know who a lot of these people are. We're told, trust the science. And I was there thinking the scientists would be experts in are masks harmful, epidemiology, viruses, um, how viruses can potentially mutate, economic experts on the effect of lockdown. That was what I expected the scientists to be, but she is a behavioural psychologist. Interesting person to have on the board of SAGE, is it not? She said the NHS staff were exhausted and are facing a huge backlog of urgent procedures that were put on hold to deal with the virus. Maidley asked her to confirm that she was in fact saying that restrictions should remain in place, to which Mitchie replied, well lifting restrictions would increase transmission and with all the problems that I've just talked about, it doesn't seem to me to be the best time to do that. Maidley interrupted her and asked her if her opinion was informed by her politics. He said, we look at communist countries around the world and we see that they are tremendously top-down dominant and control societies that they rule over. 
I just wonder, and I'm putting this question on behalf of those who wonder about your politics, if your politics actually informs your sense of control. It's not just the medical arguments, but you have a kind of political bent to want the state to tell people what to do. Michi kept her composure and told Maidley that she had come on as a scientist and that other scientists were asked about their personal politics. She said she was happy to speak about science, what her job is. Maidley let her off the hook. He should have said that the other scientists weren't members of the Communist Party. He should have pressed her on her opinion as to how much control the state should exert over our lives. But Maidley is useless. I, I, I disagree with Richie on that. Um, he says, Mitchy is a lunatic. Uh, yeah, I think there's a school of... Well, I, I, would, I wouldn't say the lunatic. I would say control freak. But uh, I don't think Maidley was useful. I, I mean, fair play. For mainstream media TV, that's not bad. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give Maidley credit for that because no one else has uh, stood up to her and called her for a control freak commie. So, uh, yeah, all right. Do we want him to go harder? Yes, but at the end of the day, good on Richard Maidley for, for at least doing that. And, yeah, meet people where they're at. And he did, a, he did more than other people have done with her. So good on him. That's my own personal opinion on that. The Times now. Neil Oliver. Sacred duty should be to our children, not the Covid cult. See, I wasn't the only person that referred to him as that, was I? Wrong to, and that's not all everyone, not everyone that wears a mask is in the COVID cult, not everyone that um, gets jabbed up is in the COVID cult, but there are people out there like that. Not everyone, but they're there. It's by Sunday, the 4th of July. It has been obvious for a while that life in the shadow of Earth's youngest virus has taken a religious note. The stale scent of, ob, I can't read that word, obituary. Oh, I don't know what it means. Happily or suddenly offered hangs in the. You should write for the Guardian with words like that. Hangs in the air like incense smoke. Front and centre, with its cathedrals and parish churches, is the Church of the NHS. At least as important as the lives of the congregation, if not more so, the preservation of the institution itself was made paramount from the beginning. Never mind our souls, save the NHS. Flatten the curve. Stay away, unless it's COVID. Yeah. Well, I am a big supporter of the NHS. Because I've got friends with American medical bills. So, um, yeah, but I just wanted to point out that I'm not the only one that's starting to see cult-like behaviour in some of these people. Next article here tonight is from the Business Insider. And it says, Biden's airstrikes in the Middle East are a far cry from the diplomacy he promised Mahien Dehene, I can't pronounce the name, March 10th, 2021. US carried out an airstrike in eastern Syria on February the 25th in response to recent attacks. But anyway, I just thought I'd uh, give you the quick rundown of that article. Still, probably best than, uh, probably better to die in a bomb strike than to star in a video with his son, at least according to Rudy Giuliani. Next, The Guardian. And this is from Monday the 5th of July, so it's more up to date on what we were covering earlier. The police bill is wiping out a culture. New travellers uh, take a stand. 
If it becomes law, residing on land without permission would be a criminal offence threatening a way of life for communities across the UK. I'm worried that not everyone knows what is coming, says Amy, sitting in the truck she has turned into a cosy home for her and her children. If this bill is passed, it will mean the end of a culture, the end of our way of life. So um, from my understanding of it, if you were just living in a van um, on the side of the road, that could become a criminal offence. But I'm no expert. But there's a lot in this police bill that we really need to read the small print. And that was by Harriet Grant. Next, Breitbart again. Kirsty Alley, uh, she was the uh, actress in Cheers, the um, from I think it's from season six onwards, I believe. I oh, I like. I'm rambling. I'll get on with it. Actress Kirsty Alley warns Hollywood is putting society on a path to accept paedophilia. Protect your children. I wonder how many of them wor worship Molech. Actress. Kirsty Alley issued a dire warning on Friday, noting that children are being exposed to everything perverse on every kind of screen and cautioning that Hollywood is conditioning society to be so open-minded that it will soon support paedophilia as just loving children. Was watching TV. We've gone too far, in my opinion. I feel for our children. Their exposure to everything perverse on every kind of screen is mind-boggling and even more tragic. It is being hyped as normal. The Cheers star wrote... Here's a really, really important article here. This is from the Daily Mail. The government is not being transparent about the risks. Inventor of mRNA vaccines says people should not be forced to take experimental COVID vaccines because risks aren't known and under 18s and those who've had virus shouldn't take it. Dr. Robert Malone, inventor of mRNA technology that's used in COVID vaccine, said young adults and teens shouldn't be forced to get the vaccine. He told Fox's Tucker Carlson that there isn't enough risk-benefit analysis data for that age group. Earlier today, the CDC advisory group that said there is a likely link between rare cases of heart inflammation in that age group and the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, now, it's going to be difficult to write this guy off as a um, anti-vaxxer, seeing as he was the guy that invented them, the mRNA at least, um, said the government is not being transparent about the risks of the COVID-19 vaccine after YouTube deleted a video where he discussed potential risks for adults and teens. I suppose that was spreading misinformation, was it? Um, yeah, information from the person that created the technology. Yeah, misinformation. Misinformation, mate. Ban him. I don't think the benefits outweigh the risks in that cohort, said Malone, referring to the people in the 18 to 22 age bracket. But unfortunately, the risk benefit analysis is not being done. Can't write off him, him off as a conspiracy theorist, can you? My concern is I know there are risks, but we don't have access to the data, Malone said. And so I'm of the opinion that people have the right to decide whether to accept vaccines or not, especially since those are experimental vaccines. So there you go. Anyone that ever says you're, you're a conspiracy theorist are pointing out it's an experimental vaccine. Well, the person that invented that type of vaccine said it himself. End of discussion. And he also said the governments are not being transparent about the risks. So there you go. Oh, and by the way, mate, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, he says uh, people have the right to decide whether they accept vaccines or not. Uh, yes, under the Nuremberg trial, the last people who decided to give um, medical treatment without people having the right to decide for themselves, um, well, uh, omitting those that are insane and others have power of attorney over them, were the Nazis and the doctors that did that were hung or um, brought over to the US in Operation Paperclip. But... 
that's something you can a rabbit hole you can go down for yourself and that's not a conspiracy theory by the way that's operation paperclip you can go and look at that on the history channel if you like this is from the daily mail exclusive judge rules to unseal dozens of documents about Ghislaine Maxwell's personal affairs there I said Ghislaine um, <laughs> someone's pointed out to me that I always say Ghislaine uh, which is incorrect uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's personal affairs including those that reveal her and Jeffrey Epstein's relationship with drumroll please the Clintons do you remember me saying about that reporter who was caught on the hot mic saying we had them all we had Epstein we had the Clintons but uh, we weren't allowed to run it because we had pressure from various parties and that kind of stuff go and read the video go and watch the video for yourself if you can find it um so Judge Loretta Preska ruled Thursday that dozens of documents about Ghislaine Maxwell's personal affairs should be unsealed in the next two weeks. The judge said that unsealing the documents would not impact Maxwell's right to a fair trial in November, as her lawyers have claimed. Among the documents will be Maxwell's efforts to quash requests from Virginia Roberts Guaffa to obtain her financial records. Guaffa's lawyers demanded documents from Maxwell, including funding received from the Clinton Global Initiative and the Clinton Foundation. Clinton flew on Epstein's planes dozens of times and photographs show the former president with the financier and Maxwell. And that is the 2nd of July 2021. So you can read all of that in that for yourself then, friends. Uh, just wanted to go a little trip down memory lane into something that dovetails into that. Um, oh, that's not the article I thought. Here's the article I wanted. July the 10th, 2019. Epstein plea deal casts light on Manhattan DA Cyrus Vance's role. It's by Vandana Rambaran for Fox News. Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr. is among a growing group of federal prosecutors nationwide who've come under fresh scrutiny in the wake of charges of conspiracy and sex trafficking against Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein was required to register as a sex offender in Miami in 2008 as part of a non-prosecution plea deal that resulted in an 18-month sentence. He served just 13 months for solicitation of prostitution involving one underage victim. Just three years after that plea, a sex crimes prosecutor, assistant Manhattan DA Jennifer Gaffney, pleaded with a federal judge to allow Epstein to downgrade his registered sex offender status from level three to the lowest possible classification level one, despite an assessment by the Florida board. Despite the assessment that Epstein was a dangerous sex offender, likely to prey on young women again, Vance's office argued on his behalf, much to the shock of Justice Ruth Pickholes, who ruled against this assertion at the time. I have to tell you, I'm a little overwhelmed because I have never seen a prosecutor's office do anything like this, the judge told Gaffney, according to reports by the New York Times. Vance's office later backpedaled on its stance in favour of Epstein and Fold, a charge of heartbreak for agreeing that he should be registered as a level three sex offender, citing a combination of a mistaken interpretation. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. I just wanted to give you the idea that Epstein did have friends in high places uh, with judiciary and other such things. Um, otherwise, why would I be reading out this article? So I've read out a lot of articles here tonight. I'm rather proud of myself. Um, oh, I say that, but I've just remembered I haven't gone to Listener's Corner. I've run out of time. And there's some really good articles on there. I would... Um, I'm going to read them out next week. I'll try and start the show with them or something because there were some really good ones. Do join the Telegram group. I think it's Beyond the News Gym. 
yeah, at Beyond the News Gym or something like that. Again, a professional would, would have this information there, but, but I'm not. <laughs> so uh, go and look at the articles for yourself. And a big, big thank you to, um, and also to Tori, who's emailed me some stuff at beyondthenews at protonmail.com. Lots of uh, information that I really need to digest rather than news articles that I can read out briefly. But I did receive them. I'm grateful for them. I will read them. Um, so Listener's Corner, thanks very much. Where, however you're listening, uh, whether it's on Whatever platform, podcast or the radio, uh, alumni, thank you for listening. Cheers.